There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello? Hello? <clears throat> Podcast Network Asia. Network Asia. Project Loving Myself Podcast is brought to you by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. But I had to face reality. I did try my hardest, but in reality, there there were external forces and not everything was up to me. You're listening to Project Loving Myself Podcast, a well-being podcast that shares stories of self-love, mental fortitude, and self-discovery. Hosted by life designer and well-being coach, Sanaya Gurnamal. Hi, I'm Sanaya Gurnamal, and this is the Project Loving Myself Podcast. Join me each week as we navigate through aha moments, new ideas, and flashes of insight from candid conversations that inspire you to get started on your own project of loving yourself. Because the most important relationship you will ever have is the relationship that you have with yourself. You matter. This is Project Loving Myself. Hello, my dear. You are listening to Season 3 of the Project Loving Myself podcast with me, Sanaya. I'm always so happy to be working on this project of life, looking for ways to learn from others and to keep growing myself. And I'm so excited that all of you are doing it with me week after week. We are traveling together through each episode, exploring so many different aspects of ourselves with each of our guests. Now, I met today's guests. Mirza Sison on an episode of Magic 899's Boys Night Out show right when we went into lockdown for the first time in the Philippines. And the hot topic that kept coming up during that show was well-being during the pandemic. That was a year ago and not much has changed. It is still very much something that is very important for all of us during these very strange times. Now, I was immediately quite taken by Mirza's views and perspectives, which are so very aligned with my own. I love that Mirza is driven and self-assured, yet at the same time, sensitive to and understanding of others around her. And she definitely had a lot to say about well-being, drawing from her own personal life stories. She has a wealth of experience, having made quite a mark in the fashion and publishing industries. Mirza is a statistician turned model who is also the retired editorial director of Summit Media and former Cosmopolitan, Preview, Spot.ph and female network editor-in-chief, leaving behind big shoes to fill, or rather very high heels. She is currently a writer, speaker and host with quite the repertoire of digital content that she curates and creates. Her priorities are clear when it comes to mental well-being. She is quite the advocate for self-care and self-improvement. 
which is how I knew that she just had to be on our show. I look forward to exploring life from Mirza's perspective, and in particular, learning about how to go after what you want and getting it from someone who has demonstrated that time and time again. Welcome on board the podcast, Mirza. Hi, thanks for having me. You're very welcome. And thank you for giving us your time. You're very welcome. So Mirza, I know you are a very popular guest on many different shows and podcasts because you definitely have, I would say, very, very interesting things to say, especially about well-being, about uh, women, about uh, career-wise. So I'm definitely going to get into a lot of different things on today's episode. Great. I'm excited. Now, Mirza, what jumps out about you is your I can do it attitude, which you have had from the time you were quite young. Even though you were a computer programmer, you had dreams of becoming a model and you decided to stage your own discovery, as you called it. You hung out at a store for two hours until an agent finally discovered you. And later on in life, when you were coming to the end of your modeling career, you spread the rumor that you could write so that you could get into a transition career. Which is interesting because some people do believe it's luck that creates opportunities while others believe in making things happen like you did. So how did you get to be such a go-getter? Well, I attribute my can-do attitude, first of all, to my parents who I probably don't give enough credit and who I probably give more flack than credit whenever I talk about like how I disobeyed their wishes and such. But I think they were great examples of People with humble beginnings who, from the provinces, who dreamed big and they struggled financially, but eventually they became, you know, very accomplished professionals. And although they were such tiger parents who pushed their children to excel, and, you know, as children, we all resented that. But in the end, they're always thankful, right? And they were just like doing what other parents of their generation did. They really... Set the first example of there's nothing you cannot achieve if you just try hard. Second of all, in my teens, my dad was uh, starting his bargain bookstore chain called Book Sale. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but Mm -hmm. I was a teenager when he was starting the bookstore. And so I had access to every kind of self-help book and magazine there was available. Mm -hmm. And this like fed my mind and reading a lot really influenced me and opened up my mind about the kinds of lives that successful people were living elsewhere. Like if you don't open your mind or you have no access to such information, this is like super pre-internet, right? You, You tend to like live within your bubble and you know only what you were fed. But because my mind expanded by leaps and bounds, reading about, oh my gosh, people can do this and that and this and that. So it kind of like set the foundation for my mind to be fertile ground for dreaming and exploring and, you know, daring to go think out of the box and really go after what I wanted. Of course, in the beginning, it it wasn't easy because being Filipino parents, they can't help but want their children to follow in the mold that they've set for them, right? So I was so young. I finished college at 18. So in the beginning, I didn't know, like, if you finish college at 18, here you 
pick your college course at 13. What do you know at 13, right? And although I really wanted to be a writer, my parents said no. And they said, you're going to computers. And that's that. And it wasn't until I mustered enough courage, plus preparation, plus information, to really bravely tell them, okay, I'm eight, I'm well, by the time I was 20, I'm 20 years old. Now I'm going to do what I want. And so it's a combination of all these things together. You know, um, Mirza, I completely relate to you about the story about your father and the books, because I remember as a child, my father had like his little personal collection of books. Right. And it was like by his bedside table. And of course, these were books that were ba- way beyond my age to read. But I had such a thirst for reading and knowledge. And, you know, I would just go into his like bookcase and I would grab you know, Sidney Sheldon at that time, or these different authors, right? That, you know, nobody in in elementary or in in middle school were reading. But that's how I started to dream sort of bigger than my life. And I started to also get introduced to the whole world of like possibilities out there. And it's amazing how, you know, what we're influenced by is always kind of coming down to our parents and the opportunities they gave us. And I know you said like your parents are like tiger parents, but sometimes I wonder, cause I'm a parent myself, like, <laughs> is it, is it the right thing to do to push our children to try out everything, you know, take as many classes, even if they're, they don't want to do that many classes. Sometimes I'm like, no, but you should play chess. It's really good. And my son's like, I don't want to play chess anymore. You know, sometimes, you know, me too. I'm looking for that balance of how much do right. I push my children and how much do I let them sort of figure things out and, you know, learn what they like. And that kind of leads me to my next question, Mirza, because I think how we are as parents and how our parents were with us set the tone for the kind of people we grew up to become, as you said, right? And some people are sort of raised to believe that opportunities come to them, you know, that they're just supposed to kind of sit back and let things happen. And, you know, God has a plan or the universe has a plan and they just wait for it. And then the other school of thought, which sounds more like your parents is like, go for what you want, you know, try everything and like take action. And so this is kind of that argument of destiny or design. So where do you stand on that? And what do you think about those people who have that different perspective, which is, you know, let it come to me, let the opportunity show up. Right. Uh, The philosopher Seneca said once that luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. So you could get lucky breaks, but if you're not prepared to exhaust those opportunities when they come, then you will be at the disadvantage. And I think people who are passive participants, who re- who just react to what life deals them instead of being proactive decision makers in charting their own destinies, I think life will live them instead of the other way around. And this this is very sad because as we know now more than ever, Life is so short and what a waste it would be if we just kept waiting around. And I'm sure a lot of people during the pandemic have come uh, come to sort of find some self-realization in one way or another that, you know, things cannot go on the way they used to. And hopefully people have taken stock of their lives and determined that it's really up to me what I want to do with my life. And so it's really up to us what we really want to do with our lives. 
But Mirza, I get a lot of people through my, you know, my sessions, healing sessions I do with people or coaching and counseling. And also a lot of people write in. And a lot of people out there don't know what they want. So they don't even know, like, what opportunity to take because they're not sure themselves what they want to do or where to go from where they are. And there's a lot of confusion. So what would you say to them? these people right. who are probably listening in and thinking, but I don't even know what to what to do or what right. I want, you know? Right. Something I like to tell people who ask me that is to look back to your childhood and really examine what you loved as a child. So applying this concept to myself, I realized that as a child, I loved the following things. First of all, I love to read and I love to write. So in the end, it is very related to what I'm doing now. I also love ballet. I love to dance. I loved the arts. I love to draw. I love to paint. I love artistic expression. I was also the eldest child out of four siblings. And so I was a very good older sister or ate as they call it here. So all these inclinations or maybe skills in childhood, if you enumerate them and list them out all together, you can sort of find your strengths and inclinations and see what you might be inclined to love doing. Another good question to ask is, what could you do forever and ever if if money were not the goal? And this is what we might find ourselves doing actually during the pandemic. Like a lot of people find out that they love to cook or they love to grow plants or they love to help others or whatever it is that you know, sometimes you'll offer to friends, hey, you don't have to pay me, but if you need somebody who can, what, host a party or create decorations or whatever, then maybe that could point you in the direction of what your passion really is. And never stop exploring. I think the internet has a wealth of possibilities and tools and uh, examples of what people all over the world are doing and are Uh, all the passions that they could pursue. And I think it's the best time now to like really exhaust all these possibilities to see what you can do. And I think the world also is more open to people really pursuing their passions to do what they love. Not like during my time when my parents said, there's no money in writing. And the Philippines was then under the dictatorship of Marcos. And they said, my dad said, all the journalists will be jailed. So you cannot be a journalist. So, you know, back then, no choice, right? You have to follow your parents. But these days, anything is a career. You can make a career out of anything. If you told me back when I was a teenager that talking on screen and performing, doing funny tricks or songs or silly dances could make you a millionaire. I never would have believed you, but now sky's the limit. You know, Mirza, you bring up a very good point. Um, And I was thinking about this as you were speaking. Most of the time, people choose the career or the job based on what it will give them. Financial stability, reputation, you know, the respect of others, like, for example, you know, some people would go into a teaching career, or they'd go into something that would bring them a lot of respect right. from other people, because maybe they need that. Right. Or some people want to be really rich. So they go for the career that'll make them money. So a lot of times we tend to find careers based on what it thinks, what we think it will give us, when right. in fact, 
our career, our life purpose, what we choose to do with our time should really be about what we love doing rather than what it's going to give us. And I think, you know, I've heard this from a lot of very successful entrepreneurs that when you do what you love, everything else follows, whether it's money, whether it's fame, whether it's respect, whether it's happiness, you know, and so we should be looking inward, we should be looking at the self, we should be looking at, as you said, what am I good at? What do I like doing? You know, what are my inclinations? And focus on that as the sort of basis for the career path that I choose. I remember that last year, it was my son's uh, birthday. And um, I came across someone on Instagram who was making decorations at home, like her home decoration. And you mentioned something like that. And it was just the cutest decor that was handmade. And that was her passion, you know? And I thought that was just amazing. And, you know, I ordered it for my son's birthday. It was beautiful. And it just lent a completely different sort of air to my my son's birthday. It was very like, you know, it, it was like someone's labor of love brought his birthday party to life. And so I think when we do things from the heart, the product is something right. more than what's generic or what's just right. commonplace or easily available. You get something very unique and special. And I think that right. is uh, a good reason to kind of deviate from the norm and start exploring uh, what's special to you, what's unique about you. Do you agree with right. that? I, I certainly agree. And, you know, sometimes it also involves taking a realistic stock, an honest stock of our goals and mm-hmm. whether set by us or not. Like sometimes because it's conventional, let's say you were groomed to be a doctor, a lawyer, a banker or whatever esteemed pro- profession society thinks is best for you or that maybe even you think because of, of what it will bring you. But then take stock of the goals like are are like three cars and a big house in Alabang, for example, really what will make you happy? Mm-hmm. Is it these material things or would you be, for example, be a happy, I, I don't want to say starving, but like be a happy, maybe artist making, let's say those uh, handcrafted decorations, but living more humbly. So, you know, maybe you can, try and reach a compromise of course really fortunate is the person who can be like a millionaire really doing uh what she truly truly loves and that can happen i don't know if it happens all the time if it's like a common occurrence or not if it's luck or or not but it can happen but sometimes really ask yourself what will truly make you happy is it the material things is it the prestige is it happiness in baking a pie and seeing people like really enjoying your pie, like really be honest and don't be afraid or be embarrassed to say that, yes, this little thing will make me happy and give me fulfillment that this other thing will not. So sometimes it's, you know, really being honest with yourself. I agree. And, you know, Mirza, I really believe in that. I believe that you can do what you love and still be financially very comfortable. I think that you can kind of have it all. I, I really believe in that. And, you know, looking back at my own life, I had a career as a fashion buyer in New York City. You know, I worked for retail company Saks Fifth Avenue. And there was a lot of potential in terms of income. I was already making really good money. And, you know, I had a great future there. 
But I kind of quit and left all of that to become a healer, which, you know, first of all, had no respect at that time. People right. thought you were crazy and weird. Right, and there was right. no money in it. You were only doing it because you like really wanted to help or, or love people. And more than anything, I think it changed me from the inside so much that I became someone I was proud of. And so right. I think that's also really important that when we do something we love, there's a sense of respect for ourselves, right. you know, that we, we did maybe the little bit more challenging thing or the more different thing or the more unconventional right. route, but we did it and it brought us thus far. You know, there's right. a lot of qualities and traits I think we develop along the way. And I also think that the universe really supports you. And I think that, you know, if whatever career you choose has no money in it, you'll attract a partner with plenty of money and you'll be comfortable anyways, you know, or right. something like you'll get, you'll win the lottery or some, some kind of windfall will come right. to give you right. that, you know, that comfort that you also should ask for. So right. I'm kind of like into, I, I really believe in that idea of, of manifesting and, and making your life happen. And I love that about you. You know, I've read your story. I've read how you've kind of, done so many different things in your life and you've really made it all happen and you believed in it. So I think it's an element of what is in your mind as well as the action you take. So what would you say to those people who are looking to take control of their life? You know, they're looking to make things happen for them. They want to, you know, create success in something they love. What advice would you give them at this point? Right. First, you need to make a decision and then you have to make it happen. So you can break this down by determining the kind of life you do want to live and don't want to live. Very important is the don't. Because my mistake before, as I said in one of my podcast episodes, for example, relationship-wise was I did not put the don'ts under relationship. And I fell into some very unhappy relationship situations because I did not live with intention and say to myself, this is not the kind of person I want in my life. And so be very specific. So divide your life into all the aspects, career, relationship, finances, lifestyle, health, fitness, etc. And then envision for yourself the kind of life you'd like to live in every aspect, the kind of career, the kind of Money you would like to make the kind of lifestyle, the kind of if, for example, fitness is a goal, the kind of body you would like, must it be a six pack or are you happy with being strong? You know, be very specific and then determine the steps it will take to achieve these goals and then enumerate the obstacles or sometimes excuses that are getting in the way of each. Because sometimes we can say, oh, I'll never be able to put up a business because, you know, we're not rich. I don't have the capital. Is that really an obstacle or is it an excuse? Or I could never pursue this kind of career because I'm a homemaker and it's my responsibility to watch over the children and my husband will be angry. Is he the obstacle or are you the obstacle? Is it an excuse or not? And if, if, for example, your partner is preventing you from growing and from achieving what you want, maybe this is an area of concern that you might want to address, right? And then take stock of your assets and liabilities, your strengths and your weaknesses and see what you can and cannot do or how you can improve and 
which area or how you can strengthen your skills in another area and be very, very detailed and attack the problem, well, or the goal as if it were like a project. Break it down, be very specific, and then sooner or later, you'll know what to do. It's just a matter of like going down to the detail. And then I think you will be led into the direction of what you need to do. You know, Mirza, I loved everything you said. The process <laughs> you're describing is essentially what I apply in my life. I call it okay. the life design process. Oh, cool. You're like designing your life, you're planning out. And I think one of the most important things you said was, you know, come up with the excuses that you would yes. probably give yourself and be sure right. that, you know, what you might be considering an obstacle is actually just an excuse not to do something right. because you're right. afraid. Right. Right. You know, because you're, you, you're uncomfortable because you don't want to get out of your comfort zone. And right. I love that, you know, once we kind of enumerate that, we're calling ourselves out before it becomes a problem. Right. You know, like yes. before we actually convince ourselves that we can't do something with that excuse, right. put it, put it down already, you know, call yourself right. out. So it, so you do not end up using that excuse. You don't allow yourself to do it. And I think that in itself would allow so many people to move forward where they are stuck in their lives. So I think that is so completely (laughs) amazing. Now, a lot of people, Mirza, I believe, do not move forward or they do not take those kind of leaps of faith because they're afraid of failure. They're afraid, afraid of, you know, being humiliated, embarrassing themselves. So how do we get over that? You know, because again, I look at you and I see someone who's so confident and you've had to go out there and wing it in so many different situations, I feel like, and you've been able to do it. I read somewhere you talked about how modeling is not as easy as people think. It's not like (laughs) nice clothes and just kind of like preening on uh, the runway, but there are poses and there are, you know, facial expressions and there's a lot of work that goes into it and you've done the work. So how does one sort of avoid those kind of limitations we set up for ourselves? Like what if we fail? What if I get embarrassed? What if I humiliate myself? How do you deal with that kind of like negative self-talk or fear that comes up? Right. I, I keep thinking of quotes like the world belongs to the brave or the dream life uh, your dream life lies on the other side of fear. And I've actually posted on my Instagram feed this these two acronyms for fear, uh, which is just false expectations appearing real or all the imaginary, you know, all the imaginary blah, 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 scary, uh, what's the word for it? All the scary voices in our head that, give us false fears. So false, false, sorry, it's false evidence appearing real. So sometimes all the fears are all in our head. We think it's evidence that we will fail, but actually we just conjured it up in our heads and it's not the actual truth. And so another acronym that I posted was in order to conquer fear, you need to do EPAL, E-P-A-L. In Colloquial speak and local colloquial speak. Apple means having a thick skin. It's mm-hmm. like a slang for makapal. And so for Apple, I created the acronym 
enable the pursuit of an amazing life. So to conquer fear, you must be a bulb. You must have a skin thick enough to enable the pursuit of an exciting life. And know that unless you get over your fear, you will not get your dream life. And once you know this, then hopefully it will be easier. And also know that all the people who succeeded, they are not without fear. They always, I, I, there was a quote, I think from Mark Twain, that courage is not the absence of fear, but how we respond to the fear or something like that, or having the fear, but doing it anyway. So all these successful people who came before us and whom we idolize, they're not without fears. They're not without failures. Of course, we only see the successes. We don't see how they fail. We don't see, of course, they don't post how they failed in step one, step two, step three. Sometimes they don't even talk about it. But for every kind of success, there is a struggle and there have been fears and there have been struggles to get over those fears and there have been failures. And you can't really achieve success without having to go through those failures. Maybe some are given luckier breaks than others, but there are struggles and, you know, not everybody has a straight, straight path to success and you know sometimes you really have to go through the struggles in order to succeed what you said was awesome because you know there's so many um stories of brilliant inventors right einstein being one of them and they had to fail how many times before they finally got things right. right and i think the good thing about fear is, I mean, we all think fear is like this bad thing. You know, we need to avoid the fear and it's a scary thing. But I think sometimes we should just accept that the fear has to be there at least a little bit because it motivates us to do things uh, more carefully. Right. For example, if you're afraid of, of losing, if you're afraid of losing money, you're going to be more careful about how you spend that money or right, how right. you allocate those funds, right? Right, right? So fear can serve us in a positive way. I also think that, you know, when we have a little bit more fear, it's it's showing us that this matters. The situation matters. We're afraid to lose it. And I think right. it can drive us to actually achieve things that without the fear, maybe would be a little bit of a slower process. So right. maybe it's facing the fear, but it's also accepting the fear, embracing the fear as a part of the process. And I think as we confront our fears, we become stronger, right? Mirza, right. we become more daring, we become brave, right. we, we get courage. So I like what you said about fear as it's just something that's sort of part of it. You know, we have to right. kind of get through right. it. When I look back at uh, how I left the corporate world of computer programming and became a model that would be, that was very scary for me as a 21 year old because first of all my parents naturally got so angry they're like why did we send you to the best schools if you're just going to pose for a living right you don't even need to go to school for that and so i was anticipating all the things that could happen okay if i do this what would happen they would be so mad and what would happen maybe they would throw me out So I prepared for that moment by saving as much money as I could to form a sort of nest egg for like a year, a year before I uh, pursued my dream. And then I moved out 
And then I pursued my dream. Because at that point, when you're independent and make your own money, what can your parents say, right? You're independent. And so I anticipated what would happen by preparing for it. And that was a way of dealing with my fear in advance. And so that could work. Another thing is I could not afford to fail because I gave up such a lucrative career in IT. And as we all know, from the 80s to today, I could have probably founded Facebook and become (laughs) a billionaire, right, if I listened to my parents. And so I gave that up in order to pursue this other thing. And so the fear of failing actually propelled me to do my best. Like, how could I face not just my parents, but my colleagues and the world if I didn't succeed in this new thing? And so I used the fear to propel me to take this new career as far as I could. And while some of my most of my contemporaries just stayed in the country, I joined the few who took it took took their careers internationally and I modeled all over Asia. And so sometimes the fear of failing you can use to achieve even greater heights. So use the fear, feed the fear, feed on the fear and use it to propel you to succeed. Well, so there you go. You know, you're a perfect example of what we're both saying. You are the living, breathing example of that, you know, that we can, we can get through it. We can use the fear in a positive way. Now, Mirza, this attitude that you have, you know, the I can do attitude, the conquering or facing your fear, has it always worked for you to make things happen? Or did you have situations that just didn't work out no matter what you tried? Of course, of course not. Not, I don't think anyone is that lucky. Sometimes one can only do so much. You just have to gauge which battles to pick. And then you also learn along the way to recalibrate your goals as needed. So I certainly did not in the beginning say, I'll be a computer programmer, then I'll be a model, then I'll be an editor, and then I'll be a podcaster. Of course right. not. You don't, you don't map it out that way. But while you're in the situation, you're thinking, okay, what could be my next goal? Okay, this will be my next goal. And if you don't achieve it, you always like recalibrate, pivot, and adjust. So when I was modeling all over Asia, of course, you can't compare, can't help but compare your progress with those of the others. So because I already gave up my IT career and put all my eggs in the modeling basket, I wanted to be like on the cover of every magazine in Singapore and Hong Kong, on billboard of every street in Singapore and Hong Kong or whatever. But I had to face reality. I did try my hardest, but in reality, there there were external forces and not everything was up to me. I mean, you can model all you want, but it's not going to result in a billboard because other people are picking who to put on the covers of the magazines right. or who to put in the ads, right? So back then, I had a very strong high fashion look, like even for those countries, a very angular features. So I have a square jaw, strong jawline, not a very commercial look. And I did achieve a fair amount of success, but not in the way that I would have wanted back then. So I felt like a total failure. I felt like, huh, how come this girl did it and I didn't? And so I did it for about three or four years and then I decided to come home and I felt like a failure. But looking back, looking back and when I look at all the all the shoots that I did and all the fashion shows that I did, I, I, I'm thinking, how could I not appreciate all this during that time? Like, 
looking back, I was successful in my own way. I did achieve a fair amount of success and not to mention not just the external manifestations of success, but how every single experience was contributing to my growth and my learning. And it was all meant to prepare me for my new career in magazines. So all the time, it was like, it was like I had an internship with magazines for free while getting paid. This I was learning how magazines were made all over Asia. And I I worked with the best. I worked with international titles. I worked with the best editors. So there was something intangible that was being created and formed, which I would use for the future. So sometimes you don't see what is happening right before our eyes because we only we're so like hung up on our concrete goals that are not happening. But we don't see how in the long run it would help us in our future lives. So when I look back, I think I should really appreciate what's happening every moment of the day because it might not conform to what you set out to do, but sometimes the benefit is different and maybe longer lasting. You know, I want to highlight uh, several things you said, Mirza. You said recalibrate, pivot, and adjust. And I think that's such a cool attitude because as you go on, things change, you change. And if you keep recalibrating, then I think you would be more successful in going in the direction that would bring you, you know, more joy, more happiness. Another thing that you said that really jumped out is you said, make sure failure is not an option. So when you had no backup plan, you had put all eggs in one basket, right? You didn't give yourself the chance to fail, right? Right, And put your best foot forward, put your best effort. So even though you couldn't be on maybe all the billboards that you wanted to be for every <laughs> cover, at the end of the day, you gave your best effort and you can look back right. and say, wow, I did an amazing job. I can appreciate and ac- right. acknowledge myself for that. So these are things I think we forget to acknowledge and appreciate where we're at. And finally, something else that I really want to highlight is what you said is sometimes where we're at is just a stepping stone to something bigger and better. And and we need to, and that's the recalibrating, right? When you can see that, then you can recalibrate and you can kind of, you know, change, I don't know, the direction or, or perhaps make a couple of different um, decisions that will get you closer to where you need to be. So amazing. I love that. Oh, there's this other, sorry, if I could just insert this other anecdote. Uh, I remember that a passion of mine since I was in grade school and high school and college was the French language. I kept wanting to learn French for some reason. I'd never been to France. I had no exposure with anything French at all, but I just love the language. And from college and until after college, I would keep taking courses just because I loved it. It wasn't for anything, right? Like there was no, go- it wasn't like for any, any purpose, but just for the love of the language. And in the end, when I look back, Steve Jobs once said, everything will connect in the future. Everything is connected. After I edited Cosmopolitan from until, I think from 97 to 2005, Marie Claire, which is a French international women's magazine, mm-hmm. was launched in the Philippines and they were looking for an editor. And the reason I got selected in one over the other applicants was because 
I could speak French and read in French. I was a fashion model who had a fashion background and because I had edited a magazine, which was Cosmo. So it all came together for that job. And I certainly did not intend or foresee it, but that's how all the dots are connected someday. So, you know, keep attuned. Everything is for something. We don't know just when, but there is use for everything that happens to you or that you pursue. At one point, all the stars will align. Right, 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 right. You know, so I just, just thought I'd add that. <laughs> no, that's that's a beautiful story and very inspiring. You know, very inspiring. Now, do you think there's a point, Mirza, at which we need to quit or change direction or perhaps, you know, maybe change course because things are not going the right way? Right. Yes, definitely. And I think my life has been an example of that. I mean, I certainly could have modeled forever as, you know, it's happening now, like as modeling ceases to be ageist. Some people are taking their modeling careers up until their 40s or their 50s. But you have to listen to yourself and see if what you're doing is still right for you at the moment. And only you can determine that. So even if, let's say, you think you fell short of your benchmarks for success in that field, try and see, like, are you happy with who you are today or the kind of life you're living? Is it still worth the effort or the energy to still pursue it? So I was in publishing for 25 years, and I thought I would never stop. I thought I would be an editor till the day I died. And it's not, I didn't leave the publishing world because I stopped liking it. I still loved it, but I just took stock of my life and realized because around five years ago, my best friend who was my age died. He died suddenly. And then I realized, oh my gosh, life is so short. I still have other dreams down the line. And these dreams, which are the things that I'm pursuing now, I wasn't able to pursue because of such a high-powered corporate job in publishing. And I was responsible for so many people and so many things going on. There simply was no more time and energy to pursue these other dreams. And so that's when I realized, okay, I think 25 years devoted to this pursuit is enough and I'm fulfilled enough. It's time to pursue my other dreams. So. It's a constant taking stock of like, how happy am I today? Or is there something that can make me happier? I remember when people would ask, how did you last that long in publishing? My answer was always, every day I would come to work and think, am I happy doing what I'm doing today? And is there something I would rather be doing? And if the answer was yes, I went back to work the next day. And so it came to a point where the answer was, No, there is something I would rather be doing. That's when I realized, okay, it's time to leave this arena and pursue the other things that I wanted. So only you can tell, but you always have to keep asking yourself from time to time. You know, it's also a good example of recalibrate, pivot, and adjust, right? Because that experience of of your losing your friend was the point where you said, wait, it was a wake-up call. Right. But I I also 
do believe in that, that we got to keep asking ourselves, you know, are we, are we where we want to be? You know, are we happy? Is this serving us or is there perhaps somewhere else we need to go towards? Uh, I think that's the important thing is to constantly communicate with yourself. Right. Right. Now, just, just keep trying is a philosophy you also learn for yourself. Right. And later on, Later on in your modeling career, Mirza, you also adopted the join lung nung join mindset of the fashion (laughs) industry. So tell me, how has this motto served you well in your life? Right. The story of join lung nung join was when I entered the modeling industry, all our gay mentors, uh, designers, photographers, gay or otherwise, we have kind of like a gay mindset, would say, don't overthink it. Join lang nang join. Like, there's a modeling competition. Don't overthink it. Join lang nang join. There's an audition for a commercial. You think you're not qualified because they want, like, this age group or this kind of hairstyle or whatever. Never mind. Join lang nang join. It was, and it was, like, a mindset of just open your mind to the possibilities and don't like burden yourself with thinking of why it could fail and just blindly jump into something and you never know what will happen. Right. And you know, this was her daily life because we went to castings and auditions. We didn't know whether we would get a slot in a fashion show where there were like hundreds of us and then only 20 would be picked. Like life was a daily raffle. <laughs> And it was not up to you. And so if you weren't there, if you didn't show up and you didn't join the casting, then that was another missed opportunity. And so I took this out of the fashion industry mindset and tried to apply it to my life later on when um, not closing my eyes to opportunities. And also as an inspirational tagline, which I've used to help inspire others and I also said it would be the title of my book, which I have yet to write, but <laughs> but have not yet written. And so I think it's a great way to look at life because I've met so many people who have made up their minds about why they won't like something or why they can't succeed at something without even trying it. And then, yeah. so I try and tell them, join lang and join because you really, you really never know. You know, it reminds me of the whole Nike uh, tagline, just do it, just do it. But you know, Mirza, I I get it and I agree with you, but I also think of another perspective, which is we only have limited resources or time, let's say, Right. you know, and we can't also just take all the opportunities. At some point, you want to be a little bit choosy about which one is more aligned with what we want out of our life. So how do you balance both? Like, how do you take all the opportunities available to you while still, you know, practicing maybe discernment or being a little bit choosy about which ones are actually um, the right ones for you? Right. I think knowledge and experience and asking around will help. I mean, I think once you've done the steps that I mentioned earlier about taking stock of your life and planning the kind of life you want to live that can serve as your compass 
for the direction you want your life to go in. And then maybe from there, you can narrow down the pool of the things that you do want to join. I don't mean like really joining everything haphazardly. You know, you, you also select the opportunities that will help you achieve your goal. But it's more of like a don't overthink it kind of uh, mantra rather than put your hand in every basket sort of thing. Right. I think experience will bleed, will will teach you that, okay, I, I better not do this because the last time I did this, this happened or it's not a good use of my time. Be discerning also, but then keep an open mind. So it's really a balance that only you will be able to concoct. Yeah, and I think what you said you know, it's, it's not putting your hand everywhere, but right. it's, it's really maybe because I'm connecting it to something you said earlier. It's yeah. maybe don't let yourself get into all the excuses of why you can't right. or shouldn't right. and just, right. just go for it, you know? Right. So right. yeah, I get, I get that. I think that makes a lot of sense. Now being critical and unforgiving of yourself is something that I would imagine is quite common in the fashion industry. How did you deal with that Mirza? Oh boy, where do I start? <laughs> so even before I joined the fashion industry, as I said, I had tiger parents who were perfectionists. And because I'm the eldest, they raised me to be a perfectionist. And when okay. you are raised to be a perfectionist, it can be really tough. And although I do not regret striving for excellence in everything that I did, and it has served me well, also after... Um, the fashion industry, I joined the publishing industry. And as we know, women's magazines have such perfect images and the written word needed to be well edited and the copy needed to be flawless and perfect. So perfectionism served me well in those industries. But only now that I have left the industry and now because the zeitgeist of things is progress over perfectionism, right? Only now have I realized that perfectionism can be a bad word. And the tendencies that served me well in the past can be detrimental in the long run because mm. as I have experienced during the pandemic and, you know, during the pandemic, all our expectations turned into disappointment, right? Because so many things prevented us from freely pursuing all the things that we set out to do. My perfectionistic tendencies really had an impact on my psychological well-being because mm -hmm. of, you know, the high, high achieving goals that I had set out for myself. They're not being met. And so I felt like a failure. And I think if anything during the pandemic, we have learned to manage our expectations and Yes, to honor progress over perfection. Not to say that we will be slackers and do a bad job, but we have learned, I think, to be kinder to ourselves and, you know, take it one step at a time instead of like beating ourselves up over not strictly adhering to our benchmarks. I love how mental health and well-being has become such a priority and it's so accepted. Yes. Right. right. Like even what happened with the Olympics and like the different things exactly. that have been happening, they are just right. kind of giving us that validation that mental health and mental well-being has to be a priority. And this is something that is kind of being accepted worldwide. And I, right. I love to see that. It's such a great influence. Um, I would say on, on people today. And I'm so proud of the Gen Z 
game changers like mm-hmm. Simone Biles yeah. and for speaking up and like prioritizing their mental health over the expectations of, you know, it must be scary to to speak up against all the institutions of their professions yeah. and, you know, dare say, I would rather not play than face the press because I'm preserving my mental health. They are so gutsy and brave yeah. and tough and they are really changing the game and the world for all of us who have not been able to speak up and I'm so proud of them and I'm so inspired. Yeah, you know the the image of the diver and the stand. Yes, you know what I'm talking yes, about. Yes, yes, yes. Right, like for me, right. that that is such an inspiration. Like, wow, right. you know, like this is how our world has changed. That yes. we now appreciate these things. You know, we appreciate when we see someone who right. is taking up knit, knitting to deal with. Right you know, what's, what has happened in the pandemic or to deal with their own issues. I love that. I love to see that we are a lot more vulnerable. We're a lot braver and we are ready to change the way things have been. Or Um, even our own Olympic team where the women have been breaking all the gender stereotypes. And, you know, it's like a slap in the face to all the misogynistic men who are saying that women, women are the weaker sex, but they're proving otherwise. So, Really, yeah. hats off to this new generation. So proud for of them. sure. And and I think we've seen a lot of this in the pandemic. You know, so even though we've seen a lot of you know not so happy or positive things happen, we've also seen right. a lot of change come about. And I right. think that uh, it's beautiful to see that right. happen. Right, Naomi Osaka. <laughs> Naomi Osaka. Okay, <laughs> fantastic. Now you also said, Mirza, know who you are without closing up your mind to who you can still be. Is this why you have transitioned through a variety of different careers in your life? Are you constantly trying to like reinvent yourself? And why? It's quite the opposite. I said that because of what I found out experiencing my evolution. I certainly did not uh, have a conscious effort on my part to say, I will reinvent myself from career to career. First, I'll be a computer programmer, then a model, then an editor, and then a content creator. I think I said this in retrospect to sum up how I have evolved by not discounting the possibilities for evolution. So I always like to stress that self-awareness is key, but sometimes... People become set in their ways and their mind ages fast when they make declarations like, I am who I am and this is who I am and that's not who I am and so I'm not going to change. And this is the quickest way to age when you do not allow your mindset and your psyche to evolve because who knows what you can still be. And I think the times are an example of You can be anything you want to be at any age, however you look, whatever your gender, whatever your color. And now that we know that the possibilities are endless, how are, who are we to close our minds to who we can still be? And so, yeah, this I think sums up the way to keep young, not just in our appearance, but also in our spirit. So I think it also applies to your exterior, right? Like once we once we say, okay, know your style and stick to it. This could also make you very dated. Like if you say, 
oh, I know my style. It's this kind of silhouette and these kinds of pants and these kinds of shoes. And I'm never going to wear heels because this is just not me. So that's a way also of like boxing yourself into this kind of type, which is very dangerous if you don't evolve. And so, you know, know who you are at the moment, but keep evolving. Don't be schizophrenic, but then, you know, have a sense of yourself enough to know how you can kind of shape shift eventually. Yeah. You know, I think there's a lot of value in what you said. And even though it's more retrospective, I think that it's a great attitude to also hold. And I think the younger generation kind of is a little bit like that. And it reminds me of a, a quote also, Mirza. Winston Churchill said, To improve is to change. To be perfect is to change often. And so changing often is something we shouldn't be afraid of. Okay. Which brings me to actually what was something I also wanted to ask you about, which was comfort zones. You know, for someone, you've had so many different titles and roles in your life. And then you also mentioned that there are people who are afraid to change. There are people who kind of in their comfort zones and they're afraid to kind of go out and explore what else, you know, could be. So what is your perspective on that? Right. I can't tell people what's best for them or what to do. Only they can determine that. But I would encourage being honest with yourself about if you're in a comfort zone and you're, you say, I'm perfectly happy the way I am. Be sure that you know also what's available. Like if all you're ever fed is one kind of dish or cuisine and you're not exposed to all the other kinds of cuisine there are out there. Let's say you only ever grew up with Filipino food and you never tried Mexican food or Thai food or French food or Italian food. What kind of a life are you cheating yourself out of, right? For sure, your palate will expand and grow and you'll never know what might make you happy that's out there, but you never know until you try. And so I think it's a good analogy for trying to see what's out there before you decide. Uh, I remember when I was young and my mom would often say, you know, don't get stuck to a boyfriend right away. <laughs> collect then select, right? Like all the our moms and their generation would say, collect then select. So I think that's a good way. Collect, uh, that's a good way to put it. Collect life experiences or collect options or open your mind and explore all the possibilities before you decide. And even once you do decide, as you said, don't be afraid to change your mind. There's no shame in changing your mind if it's time to change your mind. You know, one of my guests in a previous episode, I think it was um, Ulysses Wang in uh, season two, he said, you don't know what you don't know until you know it. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> so way to say we, it, right. Yeah. And and it's so true. It's so true that you don't know what, what could be better. You don't know, right. you know, what else is out there until you get out there and, and check it out. So right. yeah, absolutely. Now you're such an icon, Mirza, in the fashion industry. I mean, you are. I mean, whatever you say, <laughs> you are definitely someone who has made a huge impact. Now how can we use fashion as creative self-expression? I can't think of anyone better to ask than you. How does one start with that? 
Right. For those who are maybe hesitant, they'll still say, I'm not fashionable at all. Think of it this way. It's a, it's a quick way, a quick and tangible and visual way to alter your mood or to change your mindset. You know, uh, something as seemingly superficial as fashion can be the jump off point for bigger strides you can make psychologically. So for example, you're setting your ways or in your comfort zone and say, I only ever wear black because this is who I am. You know, again, you'll never know, you know, when you put on other colors, it might lift your mood or it might put you in a certain frame of mind. And who knows how this kind of small change can give birth to many other changes, whether physical changes or psychological changes. It's also, I think, a means of keeping the wheels of your growth turning. For sure, the way we now follow trends in fashion has changed because in the fashion industry, right, there have been moves to kind of stop the senseless changing of trends because it's so not good for the earth and for for people and for consumption. But in the past, I used to notice that more often than not, the people who refused or did not keep up with the times in terms of fashion, I'm not saying like wear the latest whatever during that season, but you know, like we all know people who kind of get dated in their, let's say, hairstyle or footwear or silhouette. So the people who have who cannot keep up in terms of fashion also tended not to do so in terms of evolving attitudes and perspective towards life. I think it's kind of like a microcosm of like, why are, are her eyebrows still pencil thin when, you know, Kate Moss is now 40 and everyone has thick brows. Like, has she not paying been paying attention to the world and you know that's like a sign so i think just open your eyes and ears to how people are living or wearing things or expressing themselves i'm not saying be a slave to fashion but i think get with the program also and see maybe the world is changing and you're getting left behind keep up Mirza, that's actually such an interesting um, <laughs> viewpoint. I, I think it's it's so relevant, you know. We, we do. We do have to get with the program. You know, and it's not just, it's it's fashion. It's kind of current events. It's what's going right. on out there. It's also what is going on in our own space. It's definitely very important to be present, right? And I think that's that's right. kind of the point you're making too, that right. fashion as, as creative expression is is part of that. So yeah, that was actually such an interesting message you you <laughs> given us. Yeah. All right. So Mirza, you have a lot of different projects happening at the same time. Like you have a lot going on. You, <laughs> you have a podcast, yeah. well, right? You right. Have a pod, you have a podcast called I you, have, can, you Can Do This. You Can yes. Do This. You have a couple of live segments like Ask Miss Mirrors and TikToks on Instagram. So what motivates you to create this kind of content? And who are you speaking to? Who is this audience that you're talking to? Right. You know, 25 years of being in publishing for different kinds of 
publications certainly train me to create content meant for specific target audiences. But in general, my general audience has been young women. Of course, there are also young men. Young women or women who are young in their mindset. And my content is meant to inspire others to really live life to the fullest as I have by showing them what's out there, whether by showing them living examples of what kinds of life we can lead. Like in TikTok, I interview successful people in the industries of fashion, music, entertainment, and the arts by quizzing them about what has made their lives tick, what it took to get to where they are, and by showing the audience, look, this person succeeded in this industry and this is how she she or he did it, and you can do this too. Or by breaking down problems into tangible solutions, by seeking help from the best experts for asking smears where, you know, I think of what problem I or people I see on my feed are going through, and then I look for the best expert to explain it and help them get through it, whether it's overcoming imposter syndrome or becoming more plant-based or even putting up an indoor herb garden to save your sanity. You know, I find an expert who will help us with practical tips so we can do whatever it is to solve the problem we're going through. And uh, you can do this, my podcast for Podcast Network Asia marries mm-hmm. the two and is kind of a cheerleader plus life toolkit built in one that people wow. can just listen to and inspire them and move them to action. It sounds amazing, Mirza. And I've been following, <laughs> of course, your content as well. And I definitely oh, love it. Thank you so much. But now, Mirza, how do you do all of this? You're doing so much. How do you do all of this and everything you've done in your life without burning out? I don't know. I, <laughs> people have told me that you're the busiest retired person I know. <laughs> and then I like to make it clear that I retired from corporate life, but not from life. <laughs> I can't Fair help but always feel that time is running out. I know... It's not the kindest way to treat myself, but I always feel like there's always something I can be doing or creating or people I can be helping or inspiring. And so if I have the time, I try and do it. I'm also uh, trying to complete my first collection of short stories of fiction. So I've been taking classes towards that. And this, I think, now occupies the bulk of my time in addition to the other content I produce. So I guess I am busy, but because I'm so hard on myself, I always think I'm not busy enough because I'm so impatient with the progress. But, you know, it's a constant struggle of like, appreciate what you're able to do day by day, right? (laughs) (laughs) So true. I well, struggle to. <laughs> well, Mirza, honestly, to end this wonderful conversation we've had, really, there's been some amazing, I would say, takeaways and, and things that I've highlighted for our listeners as well. But to end this all, what do you do, Mirza, for well-being? Like, what would you say is your project Loving Myself mantra that you'd like to share with our listeners? Given all the uh, things that keep you busy, how do you stay sane how do you, you know, love yourself and take care of well-being? 
What's your project it's, loving mindset? It's hard Mantra. to practice what I preach, but <laughs> <laughs> I always like to tell myself and my listeners and viewers that we have enough critics in our lives. From the time we are born, <laughs> we are criticized. And, you know, we don't lack critics in our lives. We don't have enough cheerleaders. So we have to be our own cheerleader. First, align yourself with the people who are your cheerleaders and then be your biggest cheerleader and always tell yourself that join, learn, and join. Don't overthink it. Don't be afraid. Whatever it is you have decided to do, you can do this. So there. <laughs> Love it. Thank you, Mirza, for Thank all you. your great tips, you know, all the different <laughs> acronyms you've shared, the uh, techniques, the, I would say, anecdotes from your life. I think all of it has been a really thought-provoking, I would say, episode has come out of that. So I thank you very much for your time and for being here. May I ask you to share with our listeners how they can follow you, reach you, and perhaps listen to some of the content that you are creating. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a fun interview and I loved your questions. And I love also hearing myself say what I need to hear. <laughs> Sometimes we need to do that, right? Um, yeah. They can follow me, first of all, listen to my podcast on Podcast Network Asia called You Can Do This. And they can follow me on at Mirza Season. That's M-Y-R-Z-A-S-I-S-O-N. It's the same for Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Kumu, TikTok, and like. So there. And also Mirza.com, M-Y-R-Z-A.com. Look at that. Look at how many different platforms we can find you. That oh shows God. us how incredibly busy you are. It's amazing. <laughs> Thank you again. Thank you. So are you inspired to go out and get what you want? I certainly am. I've always believed in making things happen. And this only works if you have absolute faith that it will in fact happen for you. There is no room for doubt. Even the tiniest seed of doubt can stop things from working out for you. One of my teachers once said, absolute faith and certainty is required when you create anything. It is our belief that shapes our reality and so our minds and hearts must be perfectly aligned with what we want for it to take shape in our life. We are indeed powerful beings and it is easy for us to forget that. So don't let anyone tell you that you can't because in Mirza's words, you can do this. So today's quote is all about that. There is nothing more powerful than coming out and becoming who you are. And that is by Ken Melman. Perhaps that is our greatest power, to go out and claim our best life, to plant our dreams and watch them grow. Go ahead, you deserve it. If you like this episode, don't forget to let me know and tag at Project Loving Myself Podcast and at Sanaya Gurnamal on all social media channels. I would love it if you could follow this podcast on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts and do give me a rating so I know how you feel. With your support, this podcast can keep growing, reaching more lives, and sharing a lot more love. And with that, everyone, thank you for joining me on this episode of Project Loving Myself, brought to you by Podcast Network Asia and powered by Podmetrics. You are loved.
The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.